Thou shalt have no other gods before me. It is important to learn from the way this command was phrased. God said, before me. It does not mean that we can have other gods, but we just have to put God first and then followed by other gods. No, it does not mean that. Here before me means in my presence. God is all present. Anytime we serve other gods, we are doing it in the presence of God. If God were to ask you, tell me what you want and I will give it to you. What would you ask? Whatever be your answer, that would reveal what God you are serving. The reason why we have trouble recognizing our own idolatries is not because we don't have false gods, but it is because we have too many. Our text for tonight's message is taken from Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 to 3. Allow me to read Exodus 20, verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The Lord bless the reading of his holy and sacred word. This chapter is about the Ten Commandments. Moses first received them on two tablets at Mount Sinai. But later on, he shattered them upon discovering the Israelites' golden calf worship. You can read about that in Exodus chapters 31 and 32. Subsequently, God wrote them on two fresh tablets prepared by Moses. In Hebrew, the Ten Commandments literally means the Ten Words. In Greek, it was translated as the Decalogue, which also means Ten Words. In the Westminster Confession, it was referred to as the Moral Law. It is called the moral law because it is always applicable to all men. According to Romans 2 verse 14 to 15, the Ten Commandments or the moral law is written in our hearts. That is why even the Gentiles who do not have the physical Ten Commandments like the Jews, yet by nature or by instinct, they do what the law requires. And since it is the moral law written in our hearts, it is unchangeable and not abrogated or done away. Some people believe that the Ten Commandments are no longer applicable to us today. That is not the case because they are written in our hearts. Unlike the ceremonial laws, which were types and symbols of Christ and his redemptive work, and they were fulfilled by him. Unlike the civil laws, which were given specifically to the nation of Israel. And with the end of the theocracy of Israel, the civil laws 
had also come to an end. But the moral law still stands. By the way, the Roman Catholics and the Lutherans have combined Commandments 1 and 2 together. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, and thou shalt not make graven images. And then they divided commandment number 10 into two to make it a total of 10 commandments. The reason why they have combined commandments number 1 and 2 together is because this would enable them to say the graven images is only applicable to the idol worship of other gods and not the idol worship of the one living and true God. That is how the Roman Catholics will respond when you speak to them about why it is wrong to make graven images. So they will tell you that, well, that is only a reference to the idol worship, not the graven images made in regards to the one living and true God. Obviously, that is not the right thing to do. We cannot twist and change the Word of God to suit our own application. So there were two tablets, but how many commandments were written on each tablet? Scripture does not give us the answer. Therefore, all theories are only speculations. Some say all the Ten Commandments were written on one tablet and the other tablet was a copy of it. Others say Based on Christ's teaching about the great commandments, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So the first tablet must have contained those commandments related to God. In other words, the first four commandments, while the second tablet would contain commandments related to men the other six commandments. Others, like the late Reverend Timothy Toe, he believed that the first tablet would contain commandments one to five because parents were God's representatives on this earth, while the second tablet would contain six to ten. Well, we will never know. And I do not think it is important for us to speculate. Tonight, we will embark on this series of study on the Ten Commandments, beginning with our first message. Thou shalt have no other gods. Our first point is the basis of the command. God began by saying in verse 2, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. 
The Israelites had just come out of Egypt. Egypt was one of the most politistic cultures in the ancient world. Politism means the worship of many gods. The Egyptians worship many gods. They worship the gods of the sun, moon, stars, animals, rivers, fields, light, darkness, and so forth. Most certainly having lived in Egypt for almost 400 years, the Israelites were also influenced with this worship of strange gods. So it was very important for God to begin with this first commandment. In verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What gives God the right to make such a demand? Well, he is the one living and true God. All other gods are false gods. Notice how the first commandment was introduced. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. In other words, this commandment was based on who he was and what he had done. God had saved his people for his glory. And he had demonstrated to them through the templates how he was the only true God, how he had defeated all the false gods of Egypt. Therefore, he had every right to claim all the worship and praises because of who he was and what he had done. You and I know how important it is to learn to share, right? That is why we teach our children to share with others. But it is also important for us to realize that some things are never meant to share. For example, we will never share a piece of confidential information. We will never share the answers to the examination or the love between a husband and wife. We understand that these things are never meant to share with someone else. They are to be kept exclusive. How much more there are things God would never share. He would never share his glory with other gods, false gods. In a sense, God was saying, I am the one and only God. And since I am the only God, I refuse to share my worship with anyone or anything else. It is exclusive. I cannot tolerate any rival. All other gods are false. Dear friend, 
Like the Israelites, God had saved you and me for his glory. Through the death and the shedding of Christ's precious blood on the cross of Calvary. He had demonstrated to us through the situations, events, and circumstances of life that he is the only true God. And so he has every right to claim our worship and praises. Whenever we praise and worship him, it is because of who he is and what he has done for us. And we must never share our worship of him with anyone or anything else. God forbids. Let us move on to our second point, the meaning of the command. It is important to learn from the way this command was phrased. God said, before me. It does not mean that we can have other gods, but we just have to put God first and then followed by other gods. No, it does not mean that. Here before me means in my presence. God is all present. There is never a moment whereby we are not in his presence. So you and I are forbidden to worship false gods. Anytime we serve other gods, we are doing it in the presence of God. We can never hide from him. Since God is all-knowing, do you think he does not know if we have other gods? Surely he does. And notice, in this command, God speaks to us in the singular. Thou or you shall not have any other gods before me. Personal. In other words, it has to do with our personal relationship with him. It has to do with what we feel, what we think, what we speak and do concerning our God. When it comes to worshipping God, we have to make a radical choice. It is all or nothing. You either choose God or you don't. Remember Joshua said to the people, Choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods whom your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24 verse 15. It is a radical choice that you and I must make. Elijah made a similar statement on Mount Carmel. He said this, How long hold ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. 
Ultimately, our Lord Jesus also said, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold on to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Matthew 6 verse 24. So it is all or nothing. When God commands us to reject false gods, He is also commanding us to worship the one and true God. So this command not only tells us whom we ought not to worship, but also whom we ought to worship. We must worship the one living and true God. When it comes to this first commandment, most people would say, who would ever worship other gods? Who would ever bow down to a piece of wood or stone? It's also primitive. But the truth is that we do worship other gods. What do we mean? It may not be a physical god, like the animist who worship animals, plants, rocks, rivers, and objects, or like the ancestor worshippers who bow down to their forefathers for the fear of retribution or bad luck, or for the fear of becoming a hungry ghost. We may fall into the sin of worshipping other gods in the sense we put anything or anyone in place of God in our lives. Or we let anyone take the precedence of God in our lives. For example, when we love some things or someone more than God. Remember Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than this? Referring to his fishing profession. Do you love me more than what you are doing at this present moment? If anyone loves his mother or father more than me, or his son or daughter more than me, he or she is not worthy of me. Matthew 10 verse 37. So if you and I love, obey, and listen to someone more than God, we have violated this commandment. If we put something or someone as the center of our lives instead of God, or if we take something or someone to be the ultimate happiness or the most desirable thing in our lives, or we fear someone more than we fear God, we have violated this commandment. One of the most common other gods is ourselves. 
Self is the most common idol in the world today. All of us know that pride is the very first sin that brought down Lucifer. When we are proud of our social position, our race, or our families, when we are proud of our physical attributes, intellectual abilities, knowledge, understanding, achievements, or even spirituality, that can also be our other gods. Perhaps you have started off well, obeying this first commandment. But somewhere along the way, you are being drawn away by the temptation to follow other gods. One classic example in the Bible was Solomon. Allow me to quote him as an illustration. Solomon was the most powerful king the world had ever seen. He had horses and chariots by the thousands. He was the wealthiest king in the ancient world. His palace was filled with gold, not silver, because in those days, silver was not considered the most expensive thing for the kings to use in the palace. But gold was, and his palace was filled with gold. Remember, God appeared to him in a dream and said, Ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. It was the opportunity of a lifetime. Imagine he could have asked for anything he wanted. If God were to ask you, tell me what you want and I will give it to you. What would you ask? Whatever be your answer, that would reveal what God you are serving. If Solomon served power, he would have asked for the death of his enemies. If Solomon served riches, he would have asked for gold. If Solomon served pleasures, he would have asked for beautiful women. But Solomon wanted to serve the one living and true God, so he asked for wisdom to rule the people in righteousness. He started off well. God granted his request, and he was recognized as the wisest man in the ancient world. He was generous, and people came from all over the world to seek his advice and counsel. He was godly. He built a temple for God. He was a man of prayer. He offered a magnificent prayer at the dedication of the temple. So much so that God's power and glory 
descended on the temple. There was never a man more greatly blessed than King Solomon. But if only Solomon had obeyed the first commandment. Because God said to him, As for you, if you walk before me as thy father David walks, in integrity of heart and in uprightness, to do according to that I have commanded you, and will keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of the kingdom upon Israel forever. But if ye shall at all turn from following me, ye or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, and God specifically said, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them, and this house which I have hallowed in my name. First Kings 9 verse 4 to 7. So it was very simple. All Solomon had to do was to give God the glory. In particular, he had to obey this first commandment by refusing to serve other gods. Sadly, Solomon failed in keeping this commandment. He served other gods. So when you read through the Old Testament, the Bible tells us that he served the gods of the Sidonians, the gods of the Amorites. God was very gracious. He appeared to Solomon twice. But still, he did not keep this command. And so God said to him, Since this is your attitude, and you have not kept my law, which I have commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom from you. And all of us know how the kingdom of Israel was divided into the northern and southern kingdoms. And subsequently, the temple was destroyed. Although Solomon never intended to break the first commandment, but his heart was drawn away by the temptation to follow other gods. Remember, he did not ask God for gold. Yet in time to come, he worshipped the God of wealth. This was best illustrated by the fact that he spent seven years building the house of God. But when he came to his own palace, he spent double the amount of time, 13 years to build it. He did not ask God for power, yet in time to come, 
He started to accumulate horses and chariots, although God had already said that the Israelites must not build a Calvary. He did not ask God for women, yet in time to come, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Even though God had said, kings must not take many wives, or else their hearts will be turned away. Later on, of course, he repented. He repented so much so that he wrote Ecclesiastes, beginning with these words, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. There is nothing new under the sun. Dear friend, if it can happen to Solomon, it can also happen to any one of us if we are not careful. Let us search our hearts and ask ourselves, do we have any other gods before him? Perhaps we have started off well obeying this first commandment like Solomon. But somewhere along the way, things start to creep into our lives. And those things have drawn our hearts away to other gods. It could be our careers. It could be our families, our children, our houses, our worldly pursuits, and so forth. May the Lord forgive us. We do not want to experience what King Solomon had experienced after going through all these vanities. And then he concludes, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. There's only one true and living God. And we must always put him first in our lives. It is all or nothing. Now we come to our third and final point, the test of the command. The first test is love. Notice all the Ten Commandments are written in the negative. Thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. Only Commandments 4 and 5. Most theologians believe that it reflects the already sinful state that man is in. In other words, thou shall not kill. Man already has the tendency to kill. Thou shall not commit adultery. Man is already an adulterer in his heart. Do you know why Jesus summarized the Ten Commandments with the word love? If you and I were to obey the Ten Commandments 
because of the fear of the consequences. Then we will come under the condemnation of the law. If you and I were to obey the Ten Commandments because of guilt, then it would be our attempt to make atonement for our sins. If you and I were to obey the Ten Commandments because of self-glory, then we would be proud that we are morally better than others. We are better than others. We are more righteous than others. The only right way we can obey the Ten Commandments is true love. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Without which, we cannot obey the Ten Commandments. Dear friend, what do we really love? How do we spend our money and time? What do we get excited about? A false god can be any good thing that we focus on at the exclusion of God. It could be a sport, a hobby, a personal interest, an appetite for the finer things in life. It could also be a personal health and fitness or even a ministry in the church. Most certainly, we are allowed to enjoy all these good things that we have received from God's good hand. But we must never let them replace our God as the object of our affections. Whatever God has blessed us with, we give thanks to Him. But we must never let the blessing replace our affections for Him. The second test is our trust. What do we trust? Who do we turn to in times of trouble? Some people trust their jobs, their insurance policies, their pension plan for security. Others place their trust in the government or in the economy. Yet others trust their families, their children, and their friends. God can use all these things to care and provide for us. But our ultimate confidence must be in Him alone. What we love and what we trust will reveal to us if we have any other gods. This evening, God says to us personally, as in the usage of the word singular, Tao. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I'd like to end with this saying, 
the reason why we have trouble recognizing our own idolatries is not because we don't have false gods, but it is because we have too many. May the Lord forgive us. May our hearts be always drawn to Him, the only true God. All other gods are false. Let us not put our trust and our love on the things God has blessed us with, whether it be our houses, our finances, our families, our children, our careers, our good health and strength. Praise God for all these blessings, but we have received them from God's good hand. We only look to Him, love Him, trust Him, put our ultimate confidence in Him alone. And we say to Him, I will have no other gods before you. Can you say that? Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank thee for enabling us to consider the Ten Commandments. Though some of us may wonder, it is so basic, but it is so fundamental as well. Indeed, oftentimes, we take for granted that we have obeyed the Ten Commandments, including the First Commandment, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. O Lord, indeed, we profess that we love Thee, we worship Thee, and we have placed Thee as the only one that we ought to focus on in our lives. But many a time, we have allowed other things in our lives to creep in. And those things have taken precedence in place of Thee. Forgive us. Thou hast reminded us once again that we must not have other gods before Thee. It may not be a physical idol, but there are so many other things that we ought to consider. Thou hast reminded us and we ought to obey. And we want to learn also from King Solomon how he started off well, but somewhere along the way, his heart was drawn away by the temptation to follow other gods. And in the end, though he did not ask for gold initially, he started to serve the God of wealth. Though he did not ask for power, yet in time to come, he accumulated his strength and power, putting his trust in horses and chariots, building a cavalry which thou hast commanded the Israelites not to. Though he did not ask for women, yet in time to come, he has fallen 
and he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. If it can happen to Solomon, it can also happen to us. O Lord, be merciful. We love thee because thou first loved us. And we want to put thee first, always, ultimately, in our lives. So remind us, for as humans, we always forget. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Paul Cheng, pastor of Bethel Bible Presbyterian Church. Hopefully you found this sermon helpful. If so, have a think over today's reflection question. And if you'd like, feel free to share your answer with us in the comments below. We'd love to know your thoughts on the matter and about how today's message has touched you. Thank you for taking your time to join us here today.